0: It has been a long couple of weeks for the Too Many Men gang, but we are back uh, with another episode. Just Eric, just John today. Uh, Zach is over starting his new job. Tony is working his job. So it is just the two of us. And I have been asked, why do we take so long to come back when this new podcast episode coming out? And the truthful answer is this. John and I, needed two and a half weeks to fully recover from the abomination that we saw on Thursday night football between the Jets and the Jaguars. Yeah.
1: I mean, you can, you can just kind of hear the pain in my voice a little bit right there, but like, dude, I like, I still can't get over this perpetual feeling of a waste of, I wasted 17 Sundays of my life rooting for this team. And I just have this deflating feeling where all that optimism that was, you know, filling me like earlier in the season, it's it's turned to freaking copper in my mouth, and everything is up in the air. And at this point, I'm just rooting for absolute chaos, you know, in the NFL because that's all I have <laughs> left.
0: You you can hear John go into his Joker like state. During that laugh. He's rooting for chaos. <laughs> um, by the way, if, if any of us sound a little different, we're both a little under the weather. Uh we're both a little sick, just dealing with a common cold, nothing too, too bad. Um, but we are separated. Um before we get into any of the games, and we'll we'll get to the games eventually. We have to talk about what happened last Monday on Monday night football in the what was billed as the game of the year between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. Bills safety Demar Hamlin got hit pretty hard in the chest from Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. He stood up immediately, collapsed. Uh, doctors attended to him with CPR for ten minutes. About that, um, about that length of time, ambulance came out into the field and he was transported to UC Medical Center in Cincinnati where he is currently in critical condition and still recovering. Uh, and the game was uh, postponed until further notice. It is something that we have, sorry to interrupt John, but it is something that I think we've never seen as football fans.
1: Yeah. Truly something that like us, we have never seen. I mean, apparently there have been instances before where you have seen players, there was a player in the 70s for uh, for Washington who were uh, something like this did happen, but it's, you know, truly something that, like, maybe in today's era, you know, especially in the social media era where it's something like that would be so, wide, could be so widespread. I think it really, truly was a shaking image just for everyone who saw that, you know, on Monday night. And really just any, like, it's something that's had far-reaching effects. You know, like I feel like I know people in my personal life who don't really follow football that closely that are aware of this and like saw this, like the coverage of what happened in this.
0: Absolutely, and before I give my thoughts as to the whole circumstance, uh, we, John and I, everybody at Too Many Men is keeping Demar and his family and the Bills organization in our thoughts and prayers. Um, hoping Clark. that he can have a fast recovery and get back doing what he loves. And I know Ryan Clark said this on ESPN, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to exactly copy what he said, but I'm going to echo it. You hear people that would say they die for this sport, they die doing for what they love. And for a while, and for all we know, still could be, DeMar Hamlin might have. He was willing to sacrifice everything. Um, And the scary part is this. He's a 24-year-old guy, a fit 24-year-old guy. He's he our player. Yeah, he's our age. That's the scariest part about this whole thing. Now, neither of us played football, so we don't have any firsthand experience of this. But for those that do... You are putting essentially your life at risk almost every every time you step on that field.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: like, I I believe it was uh, like, and like you said, like not to like outright quote him, but like you know to say the gist of what Booger McFarland said. You know, after when uh, during the Monday Night broadcast, you know, a lot of the time, you know, players, you know, they they go they go into it like any game, you know, with the understanding that, hey, I might not, you know, be walking off this field, I might be injured, you know, but at least I have, they, they have this thinking that, you know, I'm going to be able to get home to my family, you know, and at the day I'll be okay, you know, I'll like, I'll live for another day past football, and that was the scariest thing, you know, because we really, it seemed touch and go there for a minute, you know, with the uh, with ha- with Hamlin on Monday night, you know, and thankfully, you know, it's, you know, obviously he still is in critical condition, but uh, it seems as, as if at this point he might pull through. You know, you can only hope, we can only pray at this point, you know, that there won't be uh, any compli- he won't experience many complications, if any complications, you know, once uh, we find out more information.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking about this in work with, with my boss and his assistant the other day. Does DeMar Hamlin come back to the football field? If he makes a full recovery. Is that a choice he's willing to make? And I will say this. Before any of us answer this question. I would not blame him. Either way. Either way is is perfectly fine.
1: I mean I could see. If like him wanting to. Whether or not. That's a thing. He medically is advised to do. That's another thing entirely, you know, I mean, I can't see after what happened, you know, and I understand it was, you know, a routine tackle. It was a freak accident, it seems, you know, just by all accounts. But at the same time, if you want to, like, put the risk of something else happening to him, you know, again, like if he takes another hit in that area, that's the only thing that would concern me.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is this like you mentioned it being a routine tackle. This could have happened to anybody. And yeah. in- instead it happens to a guy that was nothing but giving to the community. Um, he had a GoFundMe for his toy drive, which I have since tweeted out the link for, um, and has raised over six million dollars. Uh, In just two days, just 48 hours alone. And it's really something that when they postponed the game, I thought to myself, wow, they made the right call. Because we've seen instances happen these past few years. Hell, we saw a scary incident this past year alone at that same stadium with Tua. And he hit his head. And people were saying yeah. postpone the game there. Um, but I'm just more shocked than anything that it actually was postponed. And I fully support the NFL's decision to postpone it. Um, they have since come out and said there will not be any Bills-Bengals game played this week. Completely understandable. And I agree with that decision as well. Um, and that adds the, the second wrinkle to this story. And I'm not going to take away from what DeMar is going through. And once again, our thoughts and prayers are with the entire family and DeMar himself. But the side story to all this was a tweet from Skip Bayless. Essentially saying that the game should still go on. As a matter of fact, Skip has not deleted the tweet. And I will read for it, quote for quote, what he said on Monday night. No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant.
1: And everybody lost their collective shit.
0: <laughs> everybody just made Skip Bale as public enemy number one after that.
1: And listen. Sauce, my boy! Your defensive rookie of the year, but he 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 went, He's probably one of the biggest, the biggest culprit I saw. He went at him so hard. He like wrote a whole paragraph at Skip too. Well, um, like, it was, people, I don't think people were. I don't think people read it too closely. Honestly, I think they just like read the first half and then just got angry, started writing their tweet, and then just did not read the last bit.
0: Well, he wasn't even the first Jets secondary legend I saw. Revis all you care about is football. When DeMar Hamlin's life is at risk coming from you. I expected more. This tweet is not you of all people should know better, bro from Darrell Revis.
1: And listen, if it came from Revis.
0: And then a bunch of replies from a bunch of different people in sports. Des Brian, somebody who's defended skip Bayless uh, went after him and I get it. And skip offered an apology and I guess that's that. That's the latest we've heard on the whole thing. Skipped in an episode of Undisputed by himself, and Shannon came back today. But it's, it's just a, a difficult circumstance to be in. And while we're on the topic of sports media during this whole situation, I want to give major props to the people and crew working at ESPN on Monday Night Football, specifically Adam Schefter. Booger McFarland, uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Booger, uh, Ryan Clark, and all the others who were working Monday Night Football because they did a fantastic job after they were put in a really difficult situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, just – I mean, like you have to feel for them, man. I mean, just like as, you know, them being in the same position as us, you know, just watching, you know, having to be – but with them being in a difficult position of having to, like – Fill the air, just you know. There's not like any news. We, we live in the era of the twenty four seven news cycle, and they we've had to like witness them in that broadcast. And you know, the whole sports industry really, in real time, is trying to figure out how to cover new like no news. You know, they're just like constantly saying the same thing over, like about you know, you know how obviously everyone cares about you know uh, Ham, uh, Ham and, Hamlin's recovery, and. Yeah.
0: And the other thing about the whole DeMar Hamlin situation, imagine where we would be if we didn't have social media. And let's say we're watching something else on Monday night. You're not known until days later.
1: Everyone's just left to wonder about what happened with this guy, with, with, with this this poor guy. Uh and think like you know thank goodness we have like everyone knows that he's okay.
0: Yeah, and it was just really scary on on Monday night and again thankfully it seems like he's doing better, you know. So again our thoughts and prayers are with Demar's family um wishing them nothing but the best in probably the toughest situation that they've ever been in.
1: And you so, know, honestly like, like the, yeah. only I, you know, the only thing I the only thing the other thing I would say is just you know the props like hats off to the NFL for you know just you know actually doing the right thing and just not trying to prioritize you know the schedule or anything like that you know this some things are bigger than the sport you know like this, this a person's life and I'm glad and, that for a moment you know like I feel like the entire Everyone, the entire sports industry is just, you know, collectively taking a moment to, to, you know, agree on that.
0: Absolutely, and we'll talk about Donovan Mitchell later. But his first question he was asked after scoring 71 points on Monday night was, "How's that Bills safety doing?" Because uh, I heard something from Kevin Love. Like first thing, great guy, and I'm not. I don't want to single just him out because tons of others have donated to the GoFundMe. Countless athletes have given their support online and again, just hoping nothing but the best for him uh, after what happened, you know, Agreed. and credit credit also to the, the, uh, the Bengals players as well. I know Burrow was in the bills locker room, consoling uh, some of the players and talking to some of the players. He's a great guy, you know, class act um, all around. And, we can say what we want to about our favorite teams and, you know, we could say our opinions on certain players and on certain teams, but on Monday night, the NFL world was one. And that is a very, very powerful site sometimes. So we did promise that we would cover the NFL playoff picture as a whole. Uh, we are not going to cover any individual games considering that a lot has changed since the last podcast we did, um, obviously the AFC playoff picture is not set after after uh, the Monday night game, um, and who knows what's going to happen with that? The NFL has not made an announcement, but currently the Bills are the number two seed in the AFC with a record of twelve and three. The Chiefs are thirteen and three. They are currently the one, Buffalo the two. Cincinnati three and first in the north, again, pending the game against Buffalo. Um, And you have the Jaguars taking fourth in the A or the fourth seed in the AFC South away from Tennessee. The Chargers currently the fifth seed. The Ravens currently the sixth seed. And right now, the seventh seed is the New England Patriots. They took that spot away from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, on the bubble is the Dolphins, as, as I said, and somehow Pittsburgh's still in it. And I will say this, it is a damn shame that Pittsburgh is still in it before the New York Jets, because I feel like the Jets have played better football this season as a whole than Pittsburgh has. But these past five weeks, and I'm going to give John the floor here because he, he's he been through it with the Jets over, <laughs> over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. But they they were eliminated at the hands of the Seattle Seahawks. And from what I saw, I did not watch the game, but it looked like a very lackluster performance. Yeah.
1: You know, I elaborated a little bit on this earlier. You know, obviously, uh, you touched on this before. Uh, Eric and I uh, actually were at the Thursday night debacle uh, with Zach Wilson versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, where he was benched for a freaking seat. Chris
0: Stravler. We were we were driving Frickin home. We were driving, hero. we were driving home, and we heard the chance of we want Stravler because we left early because for obvious reasons it was, it was cold. It was a rainy night in New Jersey, and we left the stadium because the Jets could they just could not move the ball. They they weren't moving the ball, and we heard the chance we want Stravler. And by the time we hit hit the road, Straveller was put in and I looked at your brothers and our jaws just collectively dropped and hit the floor because I didn't think they were actually gonna do it.
1: Like the fact that they did that, but like what really just dropped my jaw about this uh, this last stretch of the year, man. And it really does like even thinking about this season, it really freaking stings, man. And, you know, like I feel every fan of football has these moments, you know, of like, oh my gosh, you know, like one play, that one play, you know, and that one game, you know, if we could have that back. This season, we met, we, we blew, the, we were handed the end of our playoff drought mm-hmm. and we blew it. And I can just point five plays and late and like, and like literally Honestly, couldn't like, credit losses to those five plays and why we're not in the playoffs right now. The first Patriots game, the roughing the passer, John Franklin, the Myers, the pick six that Mac Jones had that would have made the 17 3 game.
0: Was that the no one at MetLife?
1: We... At MetLife.
0: Okay, that's what I thought.
1: Two, two, this is Zach Wilson this being like, no, the punt return touchdown in the, the second Patriot game. Mm-hmm. Three, the Barrios drop in, yeah. against your Vikings. That's gonna be a play that lives in jet infamy. I'm telling you, if prop most likely, number four, the f- fourth and what was it, fourth and three touchdown, fifty yard touchdown, the Brock Wright. yeah, uh, the tight end on the Lions, and then just a the shit show of the last two weeks. You know, like, <clears throat> I mean, I can't really, you can't put the two plays on that, so it's really four plays, you just, know, all together, but like the still, game. That's like that's almost I think you can almost you can agree. That's like four wins pretty much that like if those plays don't happen, that's that are almost guaranteed in the column. Right.
0: Over the last two weeks, the New York Jets have averaged four and a half points per game. <sighs> Unacceptable.
1: We four touchdown offensive touchdowns in four weeks against vaunted defenses such as the Lions, Jaguars, the Seahawks. And I well I think the bills were in there to be fair, the,
0: but the bills were in there, but the other thing I think you want if you want to add a fifth play, and this is the play that I've also thrown in there for the Jets downfall, is the Michael Carter fumble against Buffalo. Wouldn't have won the game, but it definitely took away a potential W in the column.
1: listen, and I like i I actually forgot about that. That's just another that's just another dagger right there. <laughs>
0: Like the the thing is and I get what you're saying, right? And listen, I I'm I'm be with you. I watched that Vikings game live and I thought Barrios had it for a minute and then he dropped it and went, "Oh my god, we just we lucked out of another one." It's been a roller coaster season for the Jets, and that's the word I've used really to describe the season from the word go. Just a roller coaster. And the scary thing is and Tony said this in our group chat and he's texted me this before and he's right. If Sam Darnold was your quarterback, you would be the 7 seed right now.
1: If we had any quarterback in the league basically outside of like the st- the room that we have, I feel pretty good about us winning these games. Honestly, like
0: you probably you I'd probably s- beat us. You probably beat us.
1: I mean, here's there's only a few quarterback rooms I wouldn't trade the Jets' quarterback room for. Honestly, I, kind of, I still don't want. I still would not want Darnold. The only the only thing that the only thing that I understand the logic of keeping Darnold now is the fact that we could have had a Jamar or like a Sewell if we kept him. But I, Darnold still wouldn't be have been the guy. You know, I don't think.
0: No, I don't think so either. I don't.
1: Like a, like. He's playing. Don't get me wrong. He's had some good weeks the last few weeks, and I hope that he's earned. Because unlike, I feel like a lot of people think that I root for like Darnold to fail. I just wanted him off the team. I just like you know, and I feel like a lot of people aren't agreeing with us. And I have the same perspective on Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson's a a, a good a, like a good person. You know, I don't like I don't I don't like obviously know him personally. I think he's a good kid. He's got a good heart, and I hope he succeeds elsewhere in the league. But I have no. Interest in having him playing another down New York Jets football ever again. If he's on the team next year, I'm going to be irate.
0: If it's not a right fit, it's not a right fit. And, and for I, Zach I think, Wilson, it's it's seeming like that. Uh, I've told think, you this. Go
1: ahead. Uh, here's the one thing I just want to say about Zach Wilson. Here's the one shining light about this shit. How this shit show of a season is gone after it started so great. At least now we unquestionably know Zach Wilson is not it. I don't know if Salah knows this, but I, I think every Jet fan now knows that Mike LaFleur is not it. Make those changes. You draft offensive line. You get you, or assign a linebacker and some, get some safety help in the offseason. Boom, you're golden. You're in the playoffs. You know, as long as you get, like, a Derek Carr, a Jimmy G – Or like you have to you have to improve improve the quarterback position. I don't know how we're going to do it, but that's that's the number one goal.
0: I think you got to go with the veteran under center. You can't be going back to the draft well again after it has bitten the Jets multiple times now. Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, Geno Smith, and yes, even Mark Sanchez. They've just haven't had that luck, and some teams just don't have that luck. Look at Cleveland right? Couldn't find one. Now, granted, the Jets have more often than not been more competent than Cleveland. Indianapolis, for the life of them, won't draft a quarterback. They probably should, and I think they do this year, but you need a veteran signal caller there. Uh, Somebody like a Garoppolo, and that's who I think is going to end up starting week one for the Jets. I think it's going to be Jimmy G, because he knows Robert Sala, and he knows kind of what he's being presented with here you can't the most, go into next season with mike white and zach wilson you just can't
1: the most the most damning stat of the jets quarterbacks the last three years uh two years actually no it has been three years because darnold was the starter in 2020 we have not had a quarterback pass for more touch more than 10 touchdowns in a season
0: Ooh. that's not pretty
1: again again it's it was what it it sounds it's the worst obviously in 2020 because we actually only scored like 13 touchdowns on offense altogether that year or some shit like that. But like in 2021, that's with Flacco, Mike White, jo, jo, uh Joe Johnson, yeah, yeah, like Josh Johnson, all, Josh Johnson, all these guys who come into like you know the our system, you know, and actually look better than Zach Wilson. Funny enough, you know, but still. It's obviously, you know, Jimmy G gets you more than 10 touchdowns in a year, if he's healthy, of course.
0: And Jimmy G also wins football games. And that's the number one goal in the NFL is to win football games. Now, there has been some slander on this podcast in the past about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll admit it. I wasn't one of the guys that was, was bashing him. I don't think he's the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks, but he is better than every guy in that Jets quarterback room right now, by a mile and a half.
1: It's it just seems clear to me that no matter what we have, no matter what we do, and yeah, we got to get a quarterback. But if Sal doesn't make the move to get rid of Lafleur, then I know you said you were reading some buzz about Jet fans who want gone I don't want gone but if he's gonna be. Like a man of his principles, quote unquote, you know, when he's not willing to fire his guy, then, as much as he's been a rah-rah guy, he also has had a lot of time crucial decisions that you know down the stretch of the season kind of sunk us, you know, with questionable time management, clock management, a timeout usage. You know, if Salah's is not willing to make the obvious decision that's in front of him of letting go of his offensive coordinator and getting someone new in there, then. You know, maybe you have to let him go.
0: I think you let go solid if you get Sean Payton. I think Sean that's really the only to, way.
1: He's smarter than that. Why would he? Why would he go to the Jets? I know. Chargers I, are right there.
0: I, I theoretically,
1: I, like, listen. I mean, I like. I, I'm a fan of my team. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say that. You know, like if you know, I didn't think that was. As like a, as a fan of football, though, God, don't be
0: come- like. Don't come here. Go go somewhere else. I don't want you.
1: <laughs> as, a, as a fan of football, though, I'm just like, why would you do this? You're gonna come out of retirement to be like, you got you come out of retirement. You're gonna you are to you got to link yourself to one of two teams that like have like a need of a coach at a quarterback, like or either you know Dallas, you know, because actually no, Dallas probably won't fire McCarthy now at I mean, this point. Probably I think, like I guess the Chargers. I think. Where did if, he even go?
0: Okay, so. When it comes to McCarthy, I think Dallas could realistically only fire McCarthy if they lose the Tampa game.
1: Yeah, that's that's actually all they need to get the ball rolling. He like, wants to do it. He's just been, if, he's kind of pissed that they've been doing so well. If
0: they lose that game, which again is not a lock, that Dallas wins that. If they lose that game, I think McCarthy could go. Who else could I see getting fired from the NFL in terms of coaches at the end of the year? I think Kingsbury. Look, I said Kingsbury is going to be the first coach fired to start the year. Uh, I stand by that I think he should go. He has to go. Like, because the Cardinals are doing nothing with him. The Raiders can't fire McDaniels because they don't have the money to, which I think is hysterically funny. Staley, I'm not sure. I'd say he would go, but I think the playoff berth has kind of given him a little bit extra of a leash. the
1: The one that I could see him being like a great fit for, but they can't get him because they you have to trade a first for him. That's the thing; he's under contract with the Saints. The Broncos would love a Sean Payton right now. They can't was... get a
0: Sean Payton right now. So, I was thinking Denver as well, but the thing with Denver is if Sean Payton wants Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator, I don't think there's a rear to the cards for Denver and Vic Fangio in that role. He wants
1: Vic Fangio? Oh my gosh. Yeah,
0: it's already working on the staff.
1: Whatever whatever team gets Sean Payton and Vic Fangio is automatically, like, I mean, if, they, if their defense is like up and coming, they're automatically contenders that I'm confident that could then that's the coaching effect that they have and here's what I'll say about if Sean Payton ever decides to go to Arizona for some reason because I don't really see why he would do that with Kyler most likely going to be out for most of next season if he gets to bring either one of two if he gets to bring Teddy or Jameis with him I could see it
0: well I, I could see it as well just again to start next season because I don't think Kyler's going to be out for the entire year. I think he's only going to be out for a couple games. You know, so you need somebody like a Dalton and a Brissett or a Jameis, somebody like that. At that point, yeah, I could see it. Um, As far as other coaches getting fired, something tells me that Mike Vrabel's getting canned this year. He, He did not
1: deserve it, though. I mean, honestly... He had them treading water with that team this year at seven and three. And we talked about it when they were seven and three and almost indirectly caused their downfall by call by noticing that. And just immediately giving him their props because that's when they started their huge losing streak. But I mean, honestly, that's you know, we called it at we called that out then because that was the point where, you know, it reached its peak, you know. They got the most out of that team that they were ever going to get with the amount of injuries that they were having. They played so much above their weight. They punched so much above their weight class that eventually it was all going to come back down to earth. It was a matter of win, not if.
0: Yeah, and you look right now, Jacksonville's leading the AFC South. They need one more win over Tennessee, and they get in. And with Tennessee starting Josh Dobbs, I think Jacksonville should take the division, theoretically. Um, But I could see Vrabel going. New GM in charge potentially the last year of Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. It's very possible to see Vrabel out the door.
1: Here's what I would say. Brabel immediately becomes top coach. Second, Next to Sean Payton, immediately he should be your top coaching candidate on the market.
0: Oh, he should be. Absolutely. So let's go back to the playoff picture.
1: I think we should start with the NFC, just because the AFC, like you said, it's a little bit more up in the air at the
0: top. Yeah, just because
1: everything at the with the Bills Bengals game. So
0: yeah, so let's let's just wrap up. Let's let's wrap up the AFC because all I really want to talk about for as far as the AFC is that seven seed. True. Yeah, How yeah. the hell after all of this did the Patriots end up as the seven seed after what they pulled in Vegas with the lateral?
1: Listen it just it really took his, that's what I was trying to get at before it took historical ineptitude by the jets and also the dolphins just being frauds the entire time as i said to uh for them for them to be able to be in this position and even then i still don't think they make will make the playoffs if the bills play on sunday if the bills play their starters or and if they even then the bills backups let, let's not forget two years ago the bills backups Lack the freaking dolphins when they were trying to make the playoffs, you know. So I'm, yeah. I, I still believe in the Bills.
0: I do as well. Um Theoretically, I'll tell you this: the seven seed should have been Miami, but they blew it. They absolutely blew it. They blew it worse than the Jets did because Miami was also eight and three, and they've lost five straight.
1: At least they have the two excuse, you no, know, for these last two games that they can kind of go back to.
0: Yeah, I guess. Um,
1: it's just it's so weird looking when you look at their schedule this year they open the year three oh lose three in a row win five in a row lose five in a row and might be six in a row
0: consistency that's what it should be in miami all about consistency and this year they've had none of it easily the nfl's most inconsistent team
1: perfectly you know it's the banos mean perfectly balanced as all things
0: should be (laughs) As (laughs) as it should be
1: but uh I mean, here's the thing I will say. The thing that really kills me about the Jets thing is the last I'll really say about them because I don't want to sound too much like a broken record. I'm, I'm annoyed. That's really the point with that. He,
0: he's but, been uh, right.
1: The thing that really gets me about that is just the missed opportunity at the playoff. Because, I mean, now you have the Dolphins just with the shitty quarterback situation with Tua having his third concussion of the year, Teddy Bridgewater getting laid out by the Patriots on the pick six, having to go to Skylar Thompson. Now we have. We're probably facing Josh McCown in Week 18. Oh no, no, not just Josh McCown. Excuse me, uh,
0: Mike, Mike Lennon.
1: The, the neck, yeah. So,
0: sorry, sorry, you're you're getting I, your your mid mid quarterback. mid quarterback, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Excuse me.
0: Happens, It happens.
1: But, uh, we're playing Mike Lennon most likely. We're gonna go from the tenth. we're gonna the scenarios, are gonna go from where all the everything will would break. So that where if we lost this game, we would have the tenth overall pick. But we're gonna win this game, eliminate the Dolphins from the playoffs, and
0: then go to we're the gonna 17th have like the
1: seventeenth overall pick.
0: That, and which would frustrate the hell out of you. I know, I know that would not make you happy.
1: I mean, I feel like we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna miss out on a blue chipper or anything at seventeen, like at ten or like you know, or seventeen. Because I feel like they are all gonna go, you know, in the top ten this year at least. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, I mean, I just, I, 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 I can't, I can't be bothered with the freaking moral victory after losing five straight. You know, like I, I, I think I'd honestly be at the point where I'd be pissed off. If we win this game, just because, you know, Sal would be (laughs) like, oh, you know, Sal would be in the press game. See, I'm so proud of this team, you know, for really not giving up and getting one. I'm like, really?
0: Getting one at the end of the year.
1: (laughs) I'm like, wow, you know, like, give them their blue ribbon, you know, their participant trophy ribbon at the science fair, you know, for showing up, you know, like, honestly.
0: Let's uh, let's go to the yeah, NFC. Let's go on. Let's go to the NFC. Let's go to the NFC. <laughs> where things are a little bit more cut and dry. In first, you got Philadelphia, who I think will end up being the number one overall seed. I think they will beat the Giants. San Fran is now the two after their win over the Raiders and my Vikings losing to Green Bay. Very ugly. It was not, not a good loss. We, we knew it, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: The, the one thing I want to say though, because you said about the Eagles, they are playing the Giants, and that depends on them getting the first. It depends on I think if Dable plays the starters. Now. Yeah. But they don't have to play the starters now because they, I think, are they clinched the playoff. But it's just a matter of what wild card spot they get now, right? So,
0: I I have my own thoughts on that, and I'll I'll get to that. Tampa has clinched the NFC South at eight and eight. Really, cutthroat division there. Dallas is essentially going to be the five seed and are going to travel to Tampa Bay for the first round of the playoffs. The giants who are nine, six and one have clinched the playoff spot for the first time since 2016. Good, good for them. Um, And then the seven seed, which can be Seattle's Detroit's or green Bay's. Now here's the situation. If green Bay beats Detroit, Green Bay gets that last spot. If Detroit wins, but Seattle wins, Seattle gets the seventh spot. If Detroit wins and Seattle loses, Detroit's the seventh seed.
1: And uh, we discussed this when they announced the flexing of uh Lions, uh, Packers-Lions to the Sunday night spot, you know, the final game of the year. Kind of interesting, you know, because just, you know, Seattle is playing at 4, thir- uh, four o'clock against the Rams, and so Like, Detroit, if depending on the result of that game, they'll be eliminated. And so they might not have really any reason to, you know, play their starters, you know, and and give Seattle the, you know, what they need to get into the playoffs over Green Bay. Yeah. So, I mean, they kind of got screwed over in that sense.
0: How the hell are the Packers still in it? I thought they were done.
1: We all did. We both did, man. We were kind of doing victory. Uh, That's the thing. I'm. We gotta stop with the victory laps, man. Honestly, I think we cursed. We're we're cursed. We did a we did a little victory lap with the Jets, the Titans, the your your Vikings, man. You've had a few embarrassing losses now in the second half of the year. You know, like
0: is this premature celebration? Is this what it is?
1: I think it's just we gotta do the Nick Chubb. You know, just don't celebrate until we actually succeed. What we're trying to do, just quietly acknowledge
0: (laughs) now. Something tells me, something tells me that Seattle is going to get that last spot. I don't know why. Couldn't tell you. Just a gut feeling. Although, it wouldn't shock me if Green Bay did either.
1: Okay, so here's the thing: Seattle, while well, I mean, or Detroit, while they have wouldn't have a reason to really try, you know, if they're eliminated, a Dan Campbell team is going to try. Nobody I saw
0: I saw a tweet a quote from Dan Campbell that says if if Seattle wins and you're eliminated, what's what's next? And his quote was eliminate the Packers. Love that.
1: I love I love Dan Campbell. I like he's not even my coach and I would run a la- I would run laps I, for him.
0: I can't I can't because he's a divisional coach, but like he's a good guy, and that's the quote I want to hear. Now I wanted to talk a little bit about the Eagles and the Giants in that one seed. Um if I were the Giants I'd play my stars no matter what and I will tell you why. The Giants should not forget what happened 2 years ago. When they oh, yeah, didn't play their starters and essentially gave up the division.
1: They, they like listen they could potentially take take the division away from them depending on the results of the uh, Washington uh, Cowboys, you know.
0: If if you want the ultimate revenge for 2020, that's what you do. You play the starters and and have them see what happens.
1: And also, they'd be given. They'd be actually might be giving San Fran a little bit of help there because here's actually what might happen if if like what you're trying to like uh, suggest occurs. But Washington actually wins somehow. Washington, if Washington wins and the Giants win. And San Fran wins. Then San Fran gets the one seed. Correct. And that's interesting. Then you get then you freaking Brock Purdy with a week of rest. And then who knows what happens.
0: You don't want Brock Purdy on a week of rest. Do you, NFC? Do you? (laughs) You don't want to see Brock Purdy in January. Objects may be closer than they appear. Complete wild card. No one will know what to expect.
1: People are still waiting for the other shoot to drop with Brock Purdy. I don't know at
0: this point. I think at this point we can only just watch and I was, enjoy the show. I was told by several people, one on this podcast, that Trey Lance was the answer. <laughs> it's Brock Purdy. Trey Lance, listen, I, I, I'm
1: all for this. I hope, I hope Brock Purdy is the guy just so we can just... Unab- like unabashedly just put away all the claims that Lance is the guy or yes. could be the
0: guy. Yes. Lance
1: played 200 snaps in college, and, and everyone's like, oh, this guy's got
0: it. At powerhouse North Dakota State. Listen, Everyone I'm not it. saying Trey Lance is a bust. I can't. I don't like calling quarterbacks busts less than two years in. I got to see C first, but if you're San Francisco and you're winning all these games with Brock Purdy, I just why- want to clarify. Like, yeah.
1: you, you don't like calling quarterbacks bust Zach Wilson aside two years in.
0: <laughs> Zach Wilson's a different story because he's immature.
1: I don't I – don't, like, listen, he is immature, but I feel like just play – like, play alone. You can call a player – like, you can call Josh Rosen a bust after, like, his first 13 games after getting him moved on from a team that drafted him, the, like, the top yeah. 10 a year before. yeah. Like Zach Wilson, if they move on from him, can, and they benched him multiple times this year, I think you could say he's a bust.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that that whole situation aside, and honestly, with Minnesota, if they're the two, great. If they're the three, great. I what whatever happens happens, you know. And and I, and I saw a little bit of oh my god, there's this then the other thing. It doesn't it not really matter what see we play. If whoever we play, we play. There you go. I know it's a. I know it's probably not the answer a lot of people want to hear when it comes to the Vikings in the playoffs, but we play who we play. Whatever happens, happens. I'm just here to enjoy the ride and hope Justin yeah. Jefferson gets two thousand receiving yards.
1: You got. You got to look at it like this. You guys weren't even supposed to be here. I mean, you guys yeah. are playing with house money.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at at the too many men chat and. They were like, "Oh my God!" Well, the Vikings are, are they were favored to make the playoffs. No, they weren't. <laughs> I want to emphasize, no, they were not. With the first year head coach, no, they were not. And I'm like, sorry, I was also told the Packers were a lock to win the NFC North.
1: I like here's what here's what I will say. There is preseason expectations, you know, like. Mm-hmm like uh, that people have with their teams. And then there's expectations that you form as the season goes on, as you see what the team's capable of. As the season went on for the Vikings, the first half, you know, and you kept pulling these one wins games across or out, you know, uh, you could definitely make the argument that, you know, you guys were winning these games because coaching, you know, that's why you're pulling them out. But now, like, as the second half's come, you know, you know uh gone by you can definitely make the argument that a little bit of the shine is worn off you guys there's some flaws in the team mm-hmm. but at the same time i still expect you guys to win a playoff game i just don't think that you have you you guys don't have the pedigree of a normal 13 or a what what is it 12 ones you guys have i told my head yeah you guys don't have- petty of a normal 12 and 4 win team and i think you could agree with that right
0: look i've said dancing through the raindrops the entire year i know the secondary in defense is not good because apparently the secondary in the defense that's kirk cousins fault john apparently it like, is apparently it's the pro bowl quarterback's fault
1: like kirk like listen kirk has been inconsistent at times but like He's not the reason these games have been like that, you know, like they've been so up and down,
0: you know, that's the defense. Somebody asked me there, like, oh, if you were if you were the team of the Vikings, what would you fix in the offseason when it comes to the offense? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. You give Justin Jefferson his contract extension, give him the blank check, and you move on with the offense. That's it. That's what you do. So Exactly. I'm not going to get held up on whether we're the two seed or the three seed. Whatever happens, happens. And we will be worried to, um, we'll be we'll be very nervous. I mean, very confident uh, going into wildcard weekend. Um, so there's the current NFL clinching scenarios. Um, next week we'll dive into a little bit more if they play week eighteen because that's still being discussed over the whole Demar Hamlin uh, situation. If they play week eighteen, we will discuss the playoffs. In depth a little bit more next week. Before we go, we think the NBA deserves a little bit of love. Because the the quality of basketball that John and I have been watching over the past another weeks have past couple of weeks has been nothing short of spectacular. I love it.
1: A- absolutely like unbelievable offense we are seeing this year, like at a historical level being played.
0: Luca has averaged 45 points a game since Christmas. Joel Embiid's on a 35-point-per-game streak. Giannis is on, I think, a 50-point-per-game streak over the past couple of games or so. LeBron. LeBron. LeBron at multiple 40-point 30,
1: games.
0: 38, multiple 40-point games. And the cherry on top is Donovan Mitchell's 71-point effort in the comeback win in overtime against the Chicago Bulls. Oh, man, what I am seeing makes me very happy to be an nba fan
1: like it's just almost unbelievable the fact that like a 71 point game happened and people like i feel like it's almost kind of not being talked about enough you know like like like,
0: well i I think i think part of it has to do with the whole tamar hamlin thing and it being the same day
1: yeah i mean that's that's the thing
0: you know but
1: definitely took the wind out of you know, and I oh. understandably so, you know, but. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but with, we did not want to uh, we did not want to have that go unnoticed. Donovan Mitchell dropping the eighth most points in one game in NBA history. Yeah,
1: it's something that's only been done, you know, I believe only like a, a dozen times, you know, since uh, late like by players besides Will Chamberlain.
0: Mm hmm. Something like that. So, if you're breaking franchise records that were held by LeBron, you're doing something right in Cleveland.
1: Uh, and the best part about this is uh, this is the first player to score 70 since Devin Booker in a uh, 2017. He also, he didn't, Devin Booker didn't win this, that game. And he also didn't, they like, they were intentionally fouling the sons of that game to get their De- Booker more chances to get the free throws to get 70. Booker, like Mitchell, after every one of those points was in the fourth quarter and not everyone of like, but like so many of those were in the fourth quarter in overtime, you know, when he, he was needed most. You know, he put
0: the team on his back. And he stepped up. Like, I don't know if you saw the play to send it to overtime where he missed the free throw and he was able to get the rebound and lay it up and put it in. It was beautiful.
1: He, he did the Luka. He did what Luka did against my Knicks a few weeks ago. The, missed the intentionally missed the free throw and nailed that to perfection, as you said.
0: Luka. Unbelievable. Luka right now is on a streak that I have never seen before. Well, I've I've seen it before, but it's been a hot hot minute. It was prime LeBron since I've seen it. What he is doing right now is MVP level. And we even we haven't even talked about Jokic. What these guys are doing right now is taking the league by storm. And we want to talk a little bit about the MVP race, but right now there's no clear front runner. I'd say Luka because of what he's been able to do and the fact that he is the most valuable player on those Dallas Mavericks by a mile and a half.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, the fact that he's putting up the numbers that he is doing on a nightly basis, and they bear like, admittedly, they are in, like, a five-game win streak now, so they are finally getting some wins in the column, but they've been hovering around 500 within playing this ball majority of the year. And it's like, you got, like, you just feel for the guy you know get this man some help you know you see mm-hmm. like uh i saw i saw like a news coming out of dallas you know that they're looking for an extension for christian wood but if they can't you know come to terms they're just going to trade him and i'm like they're going to trade him and this, then
0: who's he gonna have who, what are you gonna do what's the next move right you're gonna go out and get zach Levine? is that the plan you're gonna go out and try and figure something else out i don't know what they're doing but whatever is going on right now is great basketball. Jason Tatum, too. Celtics have been rolling.
1: I, I, I noticed there's one name that we both have been choosing to gloss over just because we hate this organization and this player, Kevin especially. Durant. Kevin Durant. But you got to give him the flowers because yep. you know, you he is will, playing an unbelievable ball.
0: I will say this. I have, I have softened my stance on Durant since – the playoffs. It was, it was was it against Milwaukee? I think it was against Boston. Milwaukee a couple of years. Ago. Well, Boston oh. last year, but Milwaukee two years ago. I don't hate. I can't. I can't not hate the guy after what he's doing, especially after putting up with Kyrie. What he's been able to do these past couple of years, but Durant has really stepped up as a leader for that organization, and you know, credit where credit's due for KD and what yeah, he's been I able like- to to do and put the team on his back.
1: Yeah, I just, I respect his play. You know, like, I, I don't know if I like like him outside of basketball, you know, like, the, you know, him, the drama comes with him, you know, but you can't just, just deny what's on the court, you know, this year. You know, he is producing at an elite rate, you know, you they got Garden the guard and Paolo Blanchero went on the JJ Redick podcast uh, a few weeks ago. And just talk about, you know, you know, he was being grilled about like what his welcome to the NBA moment is and just guarding Kevin Durant is what he said. And just that feeling of helplessness that no matter what you do, and Paolo Banchero is a six is six ten. He's he's as a you know, a middle yeah, as a rookie, he's still, you know, making a de- impact on the defensive end. Durant just is not phased by him at all. You know, he just pulls up in front of him and launches a three and and, and he will make it half the time most of the time too, mm-hmm. you know. He'll quietly, before you even know it, have 30 points, and you don't even know it.
0: Just just quietly doing his thing.
1: Surgical with it, man.
0: Like he has for the past 13 years in this league. Maybe more. 14, I think. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Too Many Men. Uh, every episode of the too many men sports podcast is available, wherever you get your podcast, we will be returned to a little bit more of a normal schedule. Uh, we want to take a little bit of an extended break for the holidays. Hope everybody's holidays were as fantastic as ours were. Uh, and let's hopefully enjoy the, the rest of the NFL season. And again, thoughts and prayers are with DeMar Hamlin and his family. So we will see you next week for another episode of too many men.
1: Bye everybody.